0: If you're interested in leadership and you want to lead as your most authentic self, this is the podcast for you. This is a show that breaks down the concept that leadership is complicated. Well, I'm going to let you in on a secret. It's not. I believe that it's an exchange of energy between two people. I want to create conversations for emerging and experienced leaders to come together and discover a new way to lead from the inside out. You already have everything that you need to be an exceptional leader. What we will uncover is the power of human connection and understanding how we are hardwired to seek out a true sense of belonging. So come join me. Let's create a community of leaders that are ready to challenge the status quo and who value human connections more than bottom lines. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Lead From Within. It's Michelle here. I hope you had a great week. I'm really excited this week to be talking about communication and more specifically respectful communication and how important this is as leaders to communicate respectfully. And I want to kind of tease that down a little bit because obviously communication is a huge topic. And I wanted to talk really about the power of words. And I'm not sure that everybody has a really um, great respect for how words can land with other people and and the power and the impact that you can make. Uh, with the words that you choose. You know, I really believe that it all comes back to the conversation we had earlier around perspective and point of view. And I believe that people need to have a voice that's heard. And that um, one way that you can do that is through uh, a form of communication called appreciative inquiry. And this is where you encourage people to express their perspectives or to actually challenge what you're presenting to them. And what you're doing is really just seeking to hear and understand their thoughts and their opinions for no reason other than to learn and better understand. And this is really just showing up with humility. It also is incorporating a lot of the components of cultural humility and safety, where you're creating a safe container for people that may come from a different background than you and you're allowing them to express themselves based on their lived experience in a really safe and respectful way. So let's just get right into it. What is respectful communication and how do we practice it? Well, again, people need to understand the what and the why before the how, and there needs to be context that relates to their work and their job. So one of the most important things that Uh, leaders can do is to use really clear language and be super mindful of your body language so that there's no assumptions that can be made. You need to state your intention. And this is one of the biggest lessons that I ever learned was stating your intention, which is a practice by Stephen Covey. And I think I've given this example in a previous episode, but I learned this, uh, through a practice that I have by asking just a lot of questions. And several years ago, I was asking a lot of questions about a project that I was working on uh, for a company that I was employed at at the time. And at the end of the meeting, one of my coworkers came up to me and said, like, are you not on board with this project? Like, why can't you just get on board? And I was really surprised and a bit miffed as to why that impression was that I wasn't on board. And I said, I'm, I'm t- completely on board. Um, I, why do you think that way? And they said, well, you were asking so many questions and it just seemed like you were being really, really negative. And so what I realized was that asking questions so that I could seek to understand wasn't enough that I was assuming that people know that that was coming from a good place when in fact they saw it as adversarial. And so now I always state my intention. Whenever I ask a question, I say to the person or a group of people, I'm asking this question because I need to understand. Or I'm asking this question because I need clarity on a few things that you've said. And for me, that's just made a world of difference. There is now no ability for people to make assumptions about why I'm asking certain things. And it's just a really helpful exercise. So I encourage you to give it a try. Another really great way to respectfully communicate with other people is through storytelling. And this can resonate with others as you being really, really genuine because you're sharing a story or something that's really meaningful to you and it can get conveyed um very intimately through your actions and the words, and it shows that those two are in alignment. When you're really passionate about something and you're telling a story about something and you know your hands get moving or your face shows um, the emotion, it allows people to know that what you're saying is coming from the core of your values and your beliefs. I think one of the really important things that I've learned as well is that active listening is really important, and we've talked about this before. But why I think it's really important is that when you're listening to other people and you're engaging with them and you're stating your intention and asking questions, it's really important as a leader to identify if you're listening to just understand or if you're listening because someone needs your help to help them solve a problem. And I think that sometimes as leaders, we get wrapped up in thinking that we have to know everything and we always have to solve everybody's problem and, and, you know, be the person that everyone goes to that has all the answers. And that's not the case. And, and I would suggest to you that you shouldn't do that. To leave the door wide open for people to really explore how to navigate through different situations so that they can come up with solutions to problems. And really to ask one key question that I love is, what do you think you should do? And then really pause and let them think about that and answer and then support. And again, active listening. You know, the other thing I think that's really important and this was a lesson for me as well is that not everyone wants your help. Sometimes they just need a sounding board and that's really important to remember. It also takes the pressure off of you as a leader to think that you always have to have a solution to every problem. And what I find is that over time, People will slowly become less autonomous if you're, you know, constantly fixing problems for them. They'll be less of a critical thinker and they will absolutely rely on you to fix and solve problems. So you're not really doing people a favor if every conversation you have is about you fixing something. There's a great opportunity to show how people can really step in and lead into a difficult situation by allowing them to you know, not necessarily fall and make mistakes, but allowing them to really explore how they would deal with that situation instead of just having someone give them the answer to every problem. Okay, so here's a scenario. Two colleagues are working on a project together and one of them makes a comment that she didn't get all of her work done because she was too busy doing the other person's work. And the other person isn't sure if he should let the comment go or explore it a little bit further. And so in this, you know, exercise or I guess example, active listening involves asking for follow-up questions to draw up more information. And the important takeaway here is that the missing information leads to misunderstandings. And in most discussions, there's two main reasons for needing more detailed information. We need sufficient information to accomplish tasks efficiently, and Information helps us to empathize with the other person, understanding the topic of discussion from their perspective. During a conversation like the example I've given you, the first person is continuously making judgment calls as to how much information to share. And the amount that they share is based on their willingness to share and also on their assumptions about how much they think you might know or you want to know about the topic. Some people don't share enough for us to make informed decisions and other people will share way too much, and I'm sure you've run into those people. Not receiving enough information very quickly raises questions in our minds, which we must answer to avoid misunderstanding the person and making wrong decisions. So here's three types of follow-up questions, and these involve active listening. So there's clarifying questions, there's elaboration questions, and then there's reflective listening questions. Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple of examples of each. So the first is the clarifying questions. So these are questions that clarify ambiguous and confusing statements. And you can ask um, questions like, why is that? What did you mean when you said that? Can you please clarify? Or how so? So elaboration questions are those that draw out more information by encouraging the person to elaborate further. So these could be things like, tell me more. Well, what do you like about that? What does that look like? Or what might that look like if we did blank? How did you come to that conclusion? Earlier, you mentioned blank. How does that impact on blank? And then finally, there's reflective listening questions. And this is a simple way to test your understanding of any feelings and attitudes that you observe is just to reflect them. So you can say things like, you look blank. That could be like enthusiastic, passionate, motivated, excited, sad, upset. Or, it sounds like you're blank, frustrated, bored with this. Why is that? Or, you sound blank, happy, angry, irritated. Tell me about that. The one thing that I really love about active listening is that it is so effective to encourage genuine and open conversation. When you're really just asking questions with no other intention than to seek to understand, that person's perspective and where they're coming from and learn more about them, it really flows very genuinely and there isn't a lot of thought required and you know that this is like a new thing that you're doing and it might feel awkward you're asking all of these questions. They're really just questions that you would ask in a normal conversation. So try not to make it too complicated. The other thing too is that reflective questions create opportunities for the other person to open up and share a little bit more about how they feel okay so the final thing that i would like you just to remember is that it's always important that active listening involves open-ended questions open-ended questions are phrased to encourage a full and meaningful answer so they can't ever be questions that can be answered with just a yes or a no and that's really important to remember So I'm going to move to another topic that I really, really like. And this is one that I teach on quite a lot. And uh, it's called supportive responses instead of using what's called shift responses. And this was new to me in terms of just the terminology. But when I explain it, you'll probably understand a little bit better. So a support response is where uh, the focus is maintained on the person who's speaking and their comments. And it continues to build the conversation towards them. So I'm going to give you an example, and this is a, a nursing example um, that I've used in some of the trainings. I might ask someone, what's the most important thing for nurses to remember when administering medications? And then the other person would give me their response. And then I would say, true, avoiding distractions can be difficult. It can be really challenging for nurses to maintain focus. Do you have any thoughts on how they could do this? And so then a shift response changes the focus To me, not the speaker, and it is focusing on my ideas. So suddenly, I'm no longer listening to understand the speaker. The conversation's been directed completely at me, and this becomes very one sided. So here's the difference I would say, What's the most important thing for nurses to remember when administering medications? And the other person would give me their answer. And then I would say, Interesting. Avoiding distractions is very difficult. It can be challenging to maintain focus. I was reading the other day that there are some innovative best practices being developed. Do you see how the whole conversation shift to me now kind of taking the lead and really wanting to share as opposed to just listening to what that other person wanted to share or had to offer? So the suggestion I have here is to try to hold your questions until the person is done speaking so that they don't lose their train of thought. And what you might find is that sometimes when you wait, they're going to end up answering the question before you ask it anyway. It's really okay to probe deeper. Well, within reason, I guess. I mean, you don't want to get too personal with people. And the reason being is that this information can dramatically increase our understanding of the discussions that you're having and lead to a more meaningful conversation. The whole goal in this process is to gain enough information to adequately understand what the person is saying to you and their perspective. And asking respectful, tactful, and insightful questions is the most effective way to get this information. And if you're not sure about something that you've heard, then you can ask them to rephrase it by saying, are you saying? Or, so let me clarify. Or even, you know, when you say, is this what you mean? I have a um, printed PDF on 10 active listening questions. And I'll include those in the show notes for you so that you can have those. So the other piece of... Uh, respectful communication that I wanted to talk about is the actual words that you use and understanding how important it is to really understand how words can land and resonate with people. Words like together and we are better than words like me and I. And that's pretty Self explanatory, and I think probably pretty obvious for most people who have led. At some point, you've been to a conference, you've read a book, or some sort of article that, you know, always, I think, shares language that will be helpful to engage with people and land better. So that's probably nothing new you've already heard. A word like accomplish versus a word like goal is another one to consider. If you accomplish a goal, you're implying that you've achieved the status as a direct result of your effort but if you merely meet a goal, you're indicating that you've technically just hit a milestone and you haven't really exceeded that or gone beyond. One word I always recommend people try to avoid using is the word share. And I usually get kind of a weird look when I say that because share seems like a collaborative word and a good word to use. And here's why I don't often like the word share. It's because we all like to share ideas and concepts that we think will be helpful to others. And when you use the word share in the workplace, you're hoping that those that you're interacting with will find value in your share. What I recommend is to try using words like propose, suggest, and recommend rather than using the word share. Because these words leave individuals feeling like you're recommending ideas and asserting their worthiness. So for example, I'm proposing not sharing an idea that will make our process more efficient. And the takeaway here is that the more powerful you can come across, even in small ways, the greater impact you will have on others. Okay, here's the part that I love the best. This is, this is a section that I really, really like teaching about and that these are cautionary words like do not pass go, do not collect 200. These are words that I always say, please try to avoid using at all costs. So the first one is but. The reason I don't like the word but is because using this word negates everything that came before it. And most people don't mean to do this. But becomes one of those filler words that we have in the English language and it becomes a normalized part of how we speak and it's used more to chain two thoughts together. So my suggestion is to avoid using the word and create two separate sentences. You provided really good care, but it took a long time. Or you could say, you provided really good care, period. I was wondering if we could talk about the amount of time it took to provide that care. And as an alternative, you can also use the words otherwise, instead, while, and however. However. (laughs) That word can be perceived as a disguised but. It's just all in the tone of voice that you use. So an example of that would be, I really liked the way that you gave care. However, I feel like it took a long time, period. Do you see how it still sounds like a but? Okay, so the next one is the word try. When we use try, it's sending the message that we expect or assume failure. It also creates doubt in your own mind and in the minds of others. It can suggest that it's unlikely that you're going to be successful. So here's two examples. If I were to say to you, try to touch the tip of your nose with your index finger. This is a pretty simple task for most people. So you're going to find it odd that I chose the word try because you know that you can do that. But if I said to you, try to touch the ceiling, the word try seems appropriate because now it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to do that. So when you say, I'll try to get that done, It really means I'm going to choose not to tell you if I will or I won't do it, so just don't hold your breath. It also demonstrates that you're really not committed, and it gives you an escape route if needed. So what can you do? Well, try replacing the word try with will. I will try to fill in the blank. And if you're not sure if you will succeed or if others are going to be successful, that's okay. You don't have to be sure. The word try protects us against the bad feelings that we've learned to associate with failure. This is where perfectionism and trying things is totally okay. Saying I will shows a commitment and research has shown that you're more likely to be successful in your efforts because you're more likely to give it your best shot even if you're not sure of the success. Okay, so let's move along to another area of respectful communication, which is having respectful disagreements. It's important to remember that people are more interested in partnering with people that they seem receptive to the way of their thinking or their core values or beliefs. And it can be polarizing in the workplace, so it's important to listen to what people are saying if they're not feeling included or heard and to focus on the commonalities shared across the group rather than its differences. The best way to do this is to go back to the core values of the group because within that, there's likely shared values. So when you work those two into this problem that you're having or the solution you're trying to come to as a group, it's easier to weave in the commonalities and the core beliefs. So if we do all of these things, what's the benefit? The benefit is that you have improved employee engagement. All of these things naturally lead to happier and more engaged employees. There needs to be a clear understanding that mutual trust, transparency, and honest conversations are non-negotiables, and this is a minimum expectation about how all interactions will occur. When individuals are not encouraged to voice their perspective or perceive that they are not heard when they do, the opportunity to build trust in relationships is completely lost. The ability of individuals to express themselves without repercussions or judgment is essential. Leaders must encourage others to state how they honestly feel or there is going to be little change or improvement and growth. Today, individuals expect more from their jobs than ever before and they want to feel involved in something meaningful and to make a difference. They want to know that what they're doing matters. And they want to be part of a group of individuals who work together towards a common goal. They want to be valued for their contributions and to know that they're doing a good job. I found this fact that I read, or statistic I guess, really interesting to me. Research is demonstrating that individuals will determine if they are going to stay or leave an organization based on their relationship with their leader. They will seek out employment opportunities in which they feel respected, and the best relationships are built on mutual trust and respect. And we know that that's nothing to be surprised about. We've talked about that before. But the people that you lead are arguably your most valuable asset, and without them, you have nothing. Your clients, your patients, whomever you're serving will not receive the quality of service or the service delivery that you're expecting if your employees don't feel happy in their job and they don't feel satisfied. And here's another interesting fun fact. When individuals are asked to choose what contributes to job satisfaction, the presence or absence of a collaborative and effective communication system ranks consistently at the top. Communication has to include the vision and direction of the organization, how individuals are expected to interact and engage with the stakeholders. It doesn't need to be complicated. Okay, so let's start wrapping things up for today. I'm going to give you a couple of takeaways that you can do because as I said before, leadership is coming from the inside. You need to figure out what is resonating for you, where you feel uncomfortable, so that you can show up as the best version of yourself, create safe containers, and hold space for other people? So, here's a couple things that you might want to consider journaling on. And I'll again, I'll include these all in the show notes. So, ask yourself what types of conversations make you feel the most uncomfortable. How do you deal with negative emotions from yourself or others? And finally, do you think the perception of others is an accurate reflection of you as a leader? and Why or why not? Okay, so here's a couple of quick takeaways. I have two recommendations. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Try to really understand others. In order for respectful communication to be effective, you need to establish a deeper connection and make it easier for you to connect with them. The best way to do that is to show people that you're coming to the conversation with no other intention other than to understand them and just to listen. And the second thing is to create a positive atmosphere, combine the strengths of all the people involved to achieve a goal that none of you could achieve alone. In the research that I've done in preparing my online leadership program, my eight week online leadership program, I came to learn that all successful teams have four components. Communication is at the top followed by cooperation, healthy conflict and coaching and the important thing is that all of them include a leader who sees failure as an opportunity to learn and grow so i'm gonna leave it at that what more can i say i think that's a great way to end today's episode i hope you have a great week my posting schedule is probably going to be a little bit off for the next week or so because i have family visiting for the holidays and uh, i just really need to spend some time i haven't seen my mom in two years And I'm really excited that she's coming for the holidays. So uh, please stick with me and uh, just bear with me. Have a great week, everyone. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead From Within podcast. For more information on leadership, employee engagement, and self-care, you can follow me on Instagram, Curis Consulting. Curis is spelt C-U-R-I-S. So that's Curis underscore Consulting. Click on the link tree link at the top of my bio for a free discovery call with me and to get some free downloads. You can also join the Lead From Within Facebook group, or you can visit my website at www.curisconsulting.ca. If you feel inspired to, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. Your support is greatly appreciated. Thanks again for tuning in and see you in the next episode.